Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim points out how Satan has taken over youth sports, I let the terrorists win, and we emphasize relationships over rules as we discuss legalism. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast. GCP. GCP in the, I don't want to say in the house. That's weird. In the hizzy. Yeah, even That's weirder. Even Thank weird. you for it. So my name is, so, well, my name is Jeff. I don't, and I guess we were talking before we started. Do do we need to introduce ourselves every time full name? No. No, because by now, this is the third episode of GCP, right. the podcast. Right. And so by now, we're, you know, we're, we're the share uh of the world, well, you are more the share of the world. I, I might. Who's who's a good like one named? Basically, what I'm saying is, I'm the Madonna. Is Madonna, what you're saying? There you go. Yeah, pre. Um, <sighs> Why didn't I say like Prince or something yeah. like? No. So basically, we are we are so famous at this point in time in the third right. episode. The whole world knows us simply by our first names, and so yeah, there's no reason to say our last names at this point. Yeah. But All if they're we going to do is look it, us up in the white pages and come right. attack our house. Right. Yeah the 90s called they want the references back so i am jeff and with me as always is tim tim or timmy timmy's fine timmy yeah you made a comment this so this sunday Mm -hmm. in worship you you do you remember the poem that you wrote in your shower what you wrote a poem in the shower and you shared it with the church what was the poem about your name yeah do you remember it it wasn't a poem i mean well it was a rhyme okay I said, a grown man can be named Jim, Uh a grown man can be named Tim, a grown man can be named Jimmy, but a grown man can't be named Timmy for some reason. So I'm just going to go against the flow and say, I'm claiming the adult name of Timmy. That's it. Hmm. I'm going to be a 65-year-old man. I'm going to introduce myself to strangers and say, hey, my name's Timmy, (laughs) and I just want to see their reaction for the rest of my life. Uh, Bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so uh, this is Jeffy and Timmy, and thanks for, we're five minutes into this, and we haven't even said anything other than our names, and not even well. And uh, and running the board is Josie, uh, or Jose, or Jojo Jojo Rabbit is what we call him. A fantastic movie, but we're glad that you guys are here. Thanks for checking us out. This is the third uh, episode of Good Christian People, the podcast, and I feel like now we've really gotten into a rhythm really feel like we have uh, figured out how to do this podcasting thing well, and good. Um, I'm glad you feel that way yeah no I, I feel like at any minute now we're just going to turn in our our um, resignations at the church and we're just going to do this full time sure is there like an Emmys of podcasts there are yeah. yeah I forget what they're called uh, I don't feel like we need to worry about that. I don't feel like they're <laughs> going to call us anytime soon. But I know a girl named Emmy. That's as, probably as close as we're going to get. Yeah, but is she like a grown woman named Emmy, or is it just yeah. M? Yeah. I don't know, I'm trying to employ the Timmy Tim thing uh, for us, so that's good. I like I like what Josie just did. No one can see it because we're not live. Uh, you know, you can't see us video wise. Uh, but he just put up a timer to basically let us know how long we've been going. That's mainly like, for you. Yeah, probably. That's his passive aggressive way to say shut up and move on. Indeed. So we're glad that you're with us. Uh, we just need to catch up on some things real quick. So this week, some interesting things have happened. What's happened? So was it two days ago? I think just so everybody kind of knows where we are, because we haven't actually released anything yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I think after another episode or two that we've recorded and have in the tank, we will then drop him on uh, on your um wherever you find your podcast. And so, so you'll get that. But right now it's mid August, basically. It, yeah. Wow. Mid August. Yeah, it really is. Like mm-hmm. I was like, no man, it's like the beginning of like, no, it is mid August. Apparently we have skipped like four months because of quarantine. Right. And, uh, what happened yesterday, Jeff? What, what, I don't know if it was, was yesterday. It yesterday? I think before. it was two days ago. Okay. I don't know what. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, what, what is we his name? We have a veep. We, have we a, do. Well, we have a veep candidate. Veep candidate. Kamala Harris Kamala. has been, been added to the uh, Biden ticket. That was interesting. She was the first, uh, like, what, Indian, African, American woman who's been nominated to a presidential ticket. So that's interesting. I mean, she's got a lot in her her ethnicity for sure. So 
Yeah, and she's and very I appreciate, American in that way. She's I, just you know yeah. a lot of stuff mixed together. I I really appreciate all the uh, the people on the right who have uh, pointed out all of her ethnicities in the last twenty four hours. <laughs> just uh, like a certain podcast host that I know. Oh man, who's that? You. What? You just did point out all her ethnicities. No, no, no. But like in a disparaging way. Oh, gotcha. Like she isn't even this. And it's like, well, then you should be happy because. Speaking of disparaging. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, Biden oh, yeah. and Harris, awesome. Great. Um, we'll see how the next few months go and how all of that rhetoric goes. But I'm, I'm excited for it because I feel like now that they, they have a ticket, um, we're going to be able like things are really going to calm down. Politics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, politics, it cracks me up because, I mean, I remember watching the de- Democratic debates, right? De- yeah, the Democratic debates where uh, Biden and Harris went at each other hard. Well, Harris went at him and he just stood there and was like just cried okay. on stage. So, it was amazing. Anyway, and it, it's amazing how bygones can be bygones and just all yeah. right, you know, now we're best friends and we're going to hold hands and yeah. smile for the cameras. Yeah. So, um, you know. Interesting. More power to him. And, uh, and, and you wanted to follow up with something from our last episode because I, I feel like in your last episode, you basically talked about how much you hate fatherhood. No. No, see, you did not. No. I, you asked me about the, our little girl and, and I, I feel like just after I got done and kind of processed through some of my words, because when I'm shooting from the hip, I'm not the greatest, but yeah, I I think I talked a lot about not having patience and a lot about like kind of the frustrations of fatherhood, but quite honestly, man, I I just publicly want to say that she is absolutely the joy of our life. And uh, so to, to illustrate that, um, I cried more in that hospital in that day of, you know, delivery than I've cried in my life. Like I, I never forget the doctor walking in, checking you know dilation and saying all right you're ready it's ready you know good good to push and jill went oh okay gotcha and i bawled my eyes out did you really absolutely that's so strange like i can never see you like you're oh, I was in, goner you're a robot in I my was mind a like you, have, you have no feeling so that's yeah that's good so timmy cries for baby town yeah baby town. back to baby town that's that's good yeah and and i feel like i might have said something disparaging uh, about Thank my you, kids, tech. make a little bit more noise <laughs> over there, will you? I think I feel like in the last episode I made some disparaging comments uh, about my kids. Did you? Uh, yeah. Well, when talking about finding out that I was not that I was pregnant, oh, that you um, cried, that I cried, and it wasn't good tears, and I feel like that was disparaging too. And I just wanted to clarify that I totally meant everything I said in a disparaging way. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. My kids are are awesome. Um, Speaking of last week, uh, we Shoot. made some, well, not disparaging comments, but we, we commented on JJ, right? Jerry Jr. from LU. Yes. JJ from LU. I feel like we were sort of prophetic in that. Uh, we, um, I think we moved mountains. We did. Uh, and, and, and I, which is strange because none of these episodes have released yet. And yet we were able to change the world with our podcast. Um, no, I think you were as surprised as I was as pretty much literally anyone who is familiar with Liberty University. But last uh, week on our last episode, we just talked about the controversy surrounding Jerry Falwell Jr. and how he did something else stupid. Um, and I want to say he literally got caught with his pants down, but at least they, I don't know, they weren't down, but they <laughs> pants were open. pants open. And, and the board of Liberty said, um, yeah, that's the, I'm hoping it's that that's the straw that broke the camel's back and not like, Oh, this is it. Let me just say the straw that broke the camel's back. That has been one strong backed camel for quite some time or some very weak straw going at that camel. So uh, yeah, it was some strong straw. I mean, he, I'm thankful for the stand that Liberty university took. Um, Yeah. I know, uh, uh, JFJ has been, uh, you know, he's, he's, he has done a lot for the university in terms of economics and in terms of business. Sure. And he's, he's done many good things. And he's also been very upfront to say, I am not a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to be a spiritual leader and you just want to be a businessman, man, more power to you, go for it. Like that's you, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm, I'm thankful even as an outside observer with zero attachment to Liberty University other than you, um, uh, you know, unlike you is what I meant to say. I'm thankful that a Christian university decided we need someone at the top who will be a spiritual leader and be an example. And that only makes sense. Yeah. I mean, my thing is you can't say you're going to be the leader of the largest Christian university maybe in the world and say, I'm not a religious leader. I'm not a Christian leader. Or I'm not. Right. I'm not someone to look up to. Right. Yeah. No, you are. I mean, it's the same thing as basketball players who go, don't look at me and see what you know. It's like, no, you're in a position of authority and, and, and you have respect and power. 
Um, and so you got to be careful what you do with it. And it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't want to dig too far in other people smarter than me have dealt with this issue and discussed it, but it's smarter it is than you, not many, but I mean, there's, they're out there. I'm assuming they're out there, mm, okay. uh, but they, but just this, this, that this was the thing that this one picture, I mean, maybe it was just the fact that, um, maybe it was the fact that he posted it himself. I don't know. <laughs> it was like, man, thing, that was man. just dumb. That's the thing. So anyway, so, uh, good job, Liberty. Um, I hope that, uh, the Falwell family is, I mean, I'm sure they're going to do okay, but, fine. but still it, it you know, it, it's gotta be tough oh, because sure. you know, you see your, your family going through that and hope sure. everything works out. But his apology was weird because he basically said, I'll try to be a good boy now. And it's like, see, that's, I don't, I don't feel like you, yeah. But anyway, I, and, to me, and that apology, did you listen to that sound clip? No. So there was a sound clip. He called into like a radio station. We, we really need to move on. But yeah, he, um, I, it was, I mean, several people have said that he sounded inebriated and he, uh, in my opinion, I mean, he may have just woken up or something, but he did sound inebriated. I have no idea if he was, so I'm not making that judgment, but yeah. still, if you're, you know, if you're going to calling up to defend yourself, you, you want to sound somewhat clear clear of mind and he didn't but yeah that was hmm. unfortunate as well all that black water but uh yeah. yeah that's that's interesting but i mean basically uh we we did that so um feel free if you want us to talk about something uh that you want to have the world changed uh email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com and we will make sure that we um that we talk about it and that mountains move but it's interesting that so kind of jumping off of that and in, in the topic that we're going to talk about today Tim, I brought something. It is a relic from our past. No. Uh, not just our individual uh, personal past, but also our church's past. This is the 1999 edition. The CBL. Of the Constitution and Bylaws mm. of Faith Baptist Church of Glen Burnie, Maryland. What does this have to do with <laughs> what we're talking about today? All right. So today the topic is going to be legalism. Okay. We're going to talk about that, and uh, and we're going to talk about things that that the church, big C, little C, can often do uh, that is that falls under that category of legalism. And I was to get us started off in a fun way. Fun. I, I pulled this out because well, if we're going to make fun of a church for being legalistic, I think it's important that we kind of fire our darts at us first. Sure. Like, you know, just pull the log out of our own eye first. Right. And, and we did in 2005, uh, we fixed this, but I brought this out because it's so funny on page three of our constitution. This Mm. was our church covenant article two. And one of the things it does in a church covenant, it basically lays out, this is what is expected of members. This is what we anticipate. You know, this is, this is what we expect of you. Uh, and, and so there's a number of, of, of things on here that just let you know, this is what's expected of the church. And one of the things that caused a lot of consternation for us, uh, it's a good word. It, I liked it. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's got at least three syllables and the third paragraph says this, it's basically, it's basically, uh, we also agree to maintain family and personal devotions. Good. To educate our children in Christian knowledge. Good. To seek the salvation of our family and community. Yes. To live vigilantly in the world. Yes. To what be just anyway, go ahead. Be vigilant. Uh, you know, carry a gun. Uh, to be exactly. just to be and arrest people on the side of the street. Uh, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our commitments, and exemplary in our behavior. Wonderful. Okay, all good. And then it kind of gets into some of the behavior, and it's just these broad categories. Which, Don't watch movies. No, it doesn't say that. Yeah. That'd be that'd be far too specific. Uh, to avoid all gossip, good mm-hmm. slander, immorality. I feel mm-hmm. like immorality is a is a very big umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, Law breaking. Good bit greed, idol worship, obscene language and literature, excessive anger. I mean, mm-hmm. like these are all the basic broad categories you can see in scripture and you can go, yeah, I can categorize this. And it ends to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks and drugs, except when medically prescribed mm-hmm. and to be enthusiastic in our effort to advance the kingdom of our savior. Mm-hmm. Like I'd thought it was uh, hilarious that in our church covenant, what we basically said was all of the things that Jesus addresses in Scripture, all of the the big heavy sins, idolatry, immorality, law breaking, you know, things that we go, yeah, that has a lot of things under it. Then we got very specific and like we gave five times the amount of words to we will not 
not only imbibe, nor will we sell, sell. We will not imbibe, nor will we sell alcoholic beverages, which is just funny because I don't know anybody that's in the, and I, I don't know what exactly that means, but you as our pastor, I'm sure you can help us understand that. But here's what's funny about that. I'm ready to laugh. So that was our church covenant until we got it changed mm-hmm. in 2005. I got married in 2004 and at my wedding it was alcoholic beverages. They had champagne. Yeah. Well, yeah, we weren't really, it's a long story about our wedding and we weren't in charge of basically anything. Um, but there were alcoholic beverages there and my lovely wife, Jen was very adamant at the time because she, you know, she was in the military. She was, you know, very much a, a rule follower and this is, and she said, listen, if in the church covenant, which she signed when she became a member, she said in the church covenant, it says we will not drink alcohol. And so even if it's wrong, we're not going to, I mean, even if it's wrong in, in, in the constitution, we're not going to do it. And I'm like, baby, that's just dumb. I mean, like, clearly that's not what scripture says. And she's like, it's in the church covenant and you signed it. We're doing it. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So at our wedding, aside from the champagne toast, I had zero alcohol Mm -hmm. because my bride was very much, we have covenanted that we will not do this. And I literally found out the next day that she had slipped up to the, uh, to the third floor with my sister. And in her words, well, I wanted to bond. I wanted her to like me. And she handed me a drink and I drank and I went to do as I do, not as I (sighs) do, as I say, not as I do. That is an amazing picture of marriage if right there. I mean, I love you, baby. She's not going to listen to this. So you're you're inviting a conversation here that's simply and strictly all about alcohol, correct? All about alcohol. Today, guys, we are talking about alcohol. Alky. No, I'm, we're not. We're talking about legalism. Uh, we're going to talk about what so that means. what's legalistic about it, then? What is legalistic about what? About the CBL that you just mentioned, the Constitution and Bylaw. It's not in Scripture. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that was a thing. No, it, it, wait a minute. It doesn't say in Scripture, do not sell or uh, partake in alcohol that is correct yeah it doesn't say that it's weird it's weird um and what's funny is when we actually got our church to change it it was in a business meeting where we were voting on like two or three other things in the constitution that all got shot down and i was like oh there's no way this is going to get shot down and uh, and it actually did get shot down which i was surprised because one of the things that were on the table was we would have less business meetings and people said no we want to keep the same amount of business meetings we really like this and, uh, and we're like, well, if people really like business meetings then they're really going to hate alcohol and, um, and, and I figured that's the only way to get through a business meeting anyway. So they, and what was amazing to so that last one, that last point we voted on, um, more people said we would rather take that out of our constitution and change it to more of a general, we're going to do what God tells us to do and try not to be immoral, which I thought was great. And that actually got, got changed in the constitution, which just means that I, I'm just very grateful to be a part of a church. Uh, full of alcoholics. Um, it sounds like it. No, I was kidding. <laughs> sounds like it. You threw your wife under the bus too, by the way. No, so. she she knows. I mean, we oh. had this conversation. Nice. I, you know, I'm telling her, hey, we're gonna have a, we're gonna talk about this, but she's not gonna listen to this podcast at all. Uh, I wouldn't. No, she's not a big fan of the hosts, um, <laughs> host and co-host. So anyway, let's jump into it. So today, guys, we're talking about legalism. legalism. Yeah, it's one of our favorite sins. Um, Is I mean, it? well, I mean, I think so because we do it so frequently. And one of the things I was thinking about, um, well, how about this? So I have a definition of legalism. Do it. That However, would, would you like to define legalism in the Tim Byer way? The Timmy Byer way? Or do you just want me to read it? No, you, you go for it. All right. So we pulled this out of an article you sent me from crossway.com. And yep. we're going we're gonna to engage with that article here in a little bit. The definition that they gave us, and I really like this, was legalism is the tendency to regard as divine law things that God has neither required nor forbidden in scripture and the corresponding inclination to look with suspicion on others for their failure or refusal to conform. Okay. All right. So it's, it's this idea that there are things that I can do that I can add to scripture that I can add to God's law for the purpose of bringing me closer to him, even though scripture doesn't tell me that that is something that I need to do or something that I should refrain from. And, uh, and so when we approached the constitution with, uh, you know, about the, the alcohol clause is what we called it. 
we looked at it and said, this is not, this doesn't jive with scripture. And so we need to remove it. Um, not because we all want to sit around and get drunk. Cause that is absolutely not, uh, that is forbidden in scripture. That that's definitely a sin, uh-huh. but we don't want to add things. We don't want to put our place, uh, put ourselves in place of God to say, this is what the rules are. If God has been silent on them. Quite frankly, if I remember correctly in 2005, there was a bunch of people who did partake on a, a time to time, glass of wine, mm-hmm. you know, glass of whatever, uh, within the church, and we were they they basically were looking the other way, signing this church covenant, saying I'm right. not going to drink, and they didn't want to be. This kind of gets back to hypocrisy, right? Yeah. They they wanted to say, listen, instead of acting as if this is not an issue, or acting as if the language isn't in there, let's just clear it up. Let's just stand on scripture, and let's just say we're we're going to live by that standard standard. Yeah, yeah, and and those of us who were who were advocating strongly that we remove this. It wasn't for the purposes of saying, let us have a drink. That wasn't it at all. What it came down to is this isn't what the scripture requires. And if we want to be people of the word, then we have to do what the word says and we can't start adding to it because we don't like it. That's not to say, and I know we're kind of just hanging on the alcohol thing for a bit. That's not to say that alcohol isn't dangerous. I totally understand why there would be people whose lives have been uh, impacted by alcohol who would say, you know what, we need to abstain. And I'd say, absolutely. If, if that is something that you feel is, is necessary, then abstain. But then to mandate that across the board to every other person when scripture does not do that is, is just wrong. And so my advocacy of it wasn't a, Oh, I want to drink and feel, you know, and not feel bad about it. But there really were people who just said, well, we're going to ignore this rule. We're just going to keep doing it because it shouldn't be in the constitution anyway. So since it's, you know, since it's wrong, we're just going to, we're going to do it. Gotcha. But I really think, so on the surface, legalism appears to prioritize holiness and godliness, right? Like we, we know these churches that have added to the law, added to the rules who have said, here are some extra things. Sure. Because what's wrong with holiness? Right. That sounds good. So how bad is legalism really? Is it that bad? You tell me, man. Well, I think, yeah, no, I mean, for sure. We're, well, we wouldn't be doing an episode called Good Christian People and Dealing with Legalism if we thought it was great. Right. So holiness is good, correct? I'm holiness a big, is the big goal. Fan. Right. Big fan. So Christ, who is holy, 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 um, and we are invited to follow him and to be sanctified by him and his Holy Spirit and to daily more conform to his image, that would make holiness the goal. Correct. All right. So then it's for me, then how do we define holiness? So it's holiness set up by what you say holiness is, mm-hmm. is holiness set up by what I say holiness is. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a relative, a society of relativity. Sure. Yeah. What, what's good for you. It's good for you. Don't, you know, whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever your truth is, then you go by your truth. Or do we have an objective standard in the scripture that defines holiness for you? And my answer would be, yes, we do. Um, and quite honestly, the, this whole legalism thing, when you talk about how bad it is, I mean, we as a Christian community rightly rail on society in their relativity and their mm-hmm. relativism, if you will, yeah. um, you know, because your truth, my truth, this whole truth. But we, when we add to the scripture, are doing the exact same thing. Like whatever your um, desires are is then, then okay, now... Uh, this is going to be my standard. And listen, if somebody wants to take it back to alcohol, if somebody wants to say, I, I feel convicted that I'm never going, I'm going to be a teetotaler. I'm never going to drink. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. That can be your standard. That's fine. That'd be yeah. your standard and that's be your conviction. But then the moment you take your conviction and put it on to me, I made this point a few weeks ago in a message. If you I mean, if you want to wear a suit and tie on Sunday, wear a suit and tie. That's awesome, dude. Like, I mean, Jay crew it up, you know, Brooks brothers, baby, you know, bring it into church. That's awesome. Um, but if, if, if I don't want to wear a suit and tie and that's not my conviction and that's, I don't need the suit and tie to, to feel that I'm giving my best to the Lord, whatever it is, that's fine. Like there's nothing, I mean, all the it, scripturally, all the men were wearing dresses. I mean, f- for real. Yeah. Like they had to gird their loins to, you know, to get up and run because they were in dresses or robes. Uh, I don't see us getting too scriptural about that. But when it comes down to being modest and being appropriate and all that kind of stuff, that's there's there's so much of that is subjective as opposed to the objectivity of scripture. Well, and I really like what you said. I mean, this was years ago when when people were critical of you when you came on here about not wearing a tie and not wearing a suit 
every Sunday. Um, you made the comment about, cause, cause the whole idea is, well, I'm going to present my best to God sure. and your comment to them. I don't remember if it's from the pulpit or what, are you just bragging about it? Walking around like, yeah, how sharp I am. Well, I, I said this. I'm a Probably big bragger. A pulpit. Yeah, yeah, you really are. Um, you made the comment about, do you mow the lawn in a suit? Because the issue I is don't. right. Nobody does. That's dumb. But the issue is, am I still not in the presence of God at that time? Am I still not walking with God? Am I, and, and, you know, have we elevated this moment in a space to say, this is where I meet with God? Well, why aren't you meet? You know, we're supposed to be meeting with God all the time. Right. And, which, which, which mountain are we supposed to be worshiping the Lord? And I right. think Jesus, you know, he, he, he struck the record, made the record straight, uh, 2000 years ago. On that right. One. And so this whole idea is, is that this is just a rule that you have made up to indicate this is what is spiritual and what isn't. And, and we, you know, there's things that we all have to deal with. We all do this, but I want to make the point, And hopefully by the end of the podcast today, we will really have come to an understanding of how bad legalism is that it's not just a problem in the church, right? Like it is a legit sin, um, because of the fact that it is, it's, it, we're taking scripture, we're adding to it. And when we do that, we're really robbing the gospel of its power, um, because now we are we are earning our merit through works, our standing right. before God, and it creates division in the church. So, like it, it I I think it's pretty insidious. Um, and what is I guess discouraging about it, and I said this at the front end about this being one of our you know kind of jokingly this is one of our favorite sins, but legalism is one of the only sins that the church endorses on a regular basis. I mean, you could you could maybe say okay, that and just, gluttony, but yeah. gluttony, uh, yeah. But but I think legalism. I thought about gluttony, but legalism even more mm. because this is a sense of I'm going to set up a, a set of rules that these are important to me, and I'm going to hold you to them, and I'm going to judge you if you don't follow the things that I have said you were supposed to do. It comes down to preferences, right? And we all love our preferences. We love our point of view, and things would be so much more comfortable. If everyone would just agree with me on my preferences, yeah, and you are when when your preferences differ from mine, that makes things messy. That 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 makes quite honestly the world go around, but it, it it's not as comfortable. Yeah, and and I think it's definitely preferences, but it's also a sense of how do I say that? Yeah, I guess preference is the best way to say it, but it really is. Here's how I think my behavior should be in order to be holy. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I want you to be holy. I want us all to be holy. So we have to all do what I believe is a mm-hmm. thing. And I think what you're right on about the holiness, whose holiness is it? Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting. So I pulled out of Galatians. Uh, Paul is talking right when he, when he's starting off his letter to the Galatians chapter one, verse six through 10, I won't read the whole thing, but he starts off by going, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Mm-hmm. Say so not that there's a diff- not that there is another gospel or there are some who are troubling you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. And what he's saying is like what Jesus has done for us is that we were locked in a cage. We were imprisoned because of sin. And Jesus came, he died for us, he brought us new life, he opened the doors of the cage and said, come on out. And we come on out, we're in this freedom, it's amazing, and then all of a sudden we look around and we go, I liked the cage better. Like the cage, at least, you know, there were walls, there were doors, there were limits, there were things that I understood in the cage, and now you're bringing me into a world where it's kind of like, I don't know what to do at this point, this freedom feels weird. Okay. And and so what we end up doing is Paul's going, I don't understand. Jesus has called you by grace of Christ into a gospel of freedom, of liberty. You have been set free. Why would you turn around and go back to doing things or creating new rules or taking a, or building a prison yourself? Sure. You know, it's not like, like, you know, this first one was handed to you. You were in that. But then a second time you're like, now I'm just going to make up the rules and I'm going to enslave myself. Um, I think some of it is because we, we, we misinterpret what freedom is. Yeah. Right. And so we call it, you know, Jesus has set us free. And so some people say, great. All right. Perfect. I'm going to go do me. Um, but the thing is, he set us free to be holy. 
Right. Like that's uh, he, he like we were unable to be holy in a slavery to our sin. And now we can offer ourselves as slaves to righteousness, which leads to holiness, which is holiness. And so we, we were unable to do it. And so now we've been freed to be able to do it. And so that freedom is literally to the, the blessing to be able to uh, um, pursue holiness, not to pursue our own wants and opinions and desires, which are quite often sinful. And so, again, it comes down to what's your definition of holiness? Not subjective, yeah. but yeah. objective definition. And so what I want us to get to right before we jump into this article is to understand how insidious legalism is. Mm -hmm. So in verse nine of Galatians one, Paul says, as we have said before, and I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. That he's saying, if, if somebody is telling you another gospel, another way to be saved, another um, path of faith if that doesn't line up with scripture, doesn't line up with the holiness that Jesus has set up, then you're cursed. And so let's take it back to Jesus. Um, Jesus hated legalism. Like he went after the religious leaders all the time for their hypocrisy and their legalism. We talked about hypocrisy. They kind of go hand in hand that you're saying here is a way to live and, and, and people see that. And it's just, it's gross. And Jesus really, I think we can see in scripture many times where he provokes legalists so let me let me almost take a contrarian view on this we're, okay. we're on the same page but just for the sake of argument here so um i i think legalistic people would say we are not preaching a gospel that is con contrary to christ because we are adding nothing on top of christ and by grace alone by faith alone through christ alone okay. um However, then after salvation, then we have different opinions on what it looks like to pursue holiness. Sure. So preaching a gospel is a conversion, and then the, the sanctification that comes from that, your justification, sanctification, um, I think is where the legalism comes in. Now, legalism, I think, on the other side of conversion, on the pre-conversion side, absolutely. Like, if you're going to add something to Jesus, like if, you, if you're, you're telling people, by the way, to be saved, you need to come to know Jesus, and then afterwards, by the way, you're going to have to give up alcohol. Like, th th that's, not the, that's not the case. Sure. But if, all right, come to Jesus, all right, now let's have a conversation about what holiness looks like. Now let's dive into the scripture and find the object truth of what it is. Then I, I think legalistic people would say, we're good. Like we agree on the gospel. We don't agree on holiness. Yeah. And I would tell those people they're wrong because the gospel isn't just good news about, Hey, you can be freed from your sin, right? The, if the gospel is not just accept Christ and you're, you know, here's what life will be for you after you die. The gospel is the good news of you were enslaved. You were, and we lose this context a lot because we are, did not live in old Testament times. And under that extraordinarily prohibitive. We've never lived rule. under the law. We've right. never lived under the law. And what Jesus is saying is I've come. So the gospel is you no longer have to be under the law. Okay. And then what the legalist does, and I can very, I mean, we're going to confess our own legalism here in a little bit, so uh, I can acknowledge ooh. it. What the legalist does is to say, we are now going to go back to a place of being under a type of law. And so we're adding to what Jesus has said. We have added to what the Word of God says because we have determined what holiness looks like. Um, and the problem with the legalism is that it is dealing with external, mm -hmm. with external behaviors that have nothing to do with your heart. And so you can follow all of these rules and never have it impact who you really are in your relationship with Christ. You now become responsible for your standing before God, mm -hmm. which then if it comes back to now I'm responsible for my standing before God, then how significant and final was Christ's work sure. to begin with? And so, yeah, I would say if, if we were to look at the gospel, if the, the concept of salvation of the legalist saying, I'm not saying anything, anything about, I'm not taking anything away about Jesus and salvation and all that. What I'm saying is after you get saved, after you have a relationship with Christ, well, now your life has to look different than the life Christ has called you to. And you can't do that. The gospel is the whole picture. Sure. And so that to me, and, and, and then it's, it's, and then what ends up happening is that if you do that, we run into the issues of hypocrisy. The same thing that Jesus was speaking about with the religious leaders, where people would look at their lives and say, this doesn't line up with the life that God has called us to. So now you're just being a hypocrite. And then you have other 
younger Christians who come up behind you who go, well, how do I have to live in order to, to please God? Well, this is the standing. If you want this standing before God, you have to do this, 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 and this. And next thing you know, we have just become basically a church that, I don't want to say it's like the Catholic church, but I mean, the, the church that comes and says, here are all the rules you have to follow, and you have to let me determine for you how you're supposed to live. Sure. No, I get that. So you asked me to read a uh, an article that had five different things that basically said uh, if these, what was it? Something like, here are five different um, characteristics of a legalistic church, right? Right. Well, it really, it's more of a, an evaluation. Since we did a, since we did a top five, or not top five, but we each had a, a list of five last episode. Yeah, I like the top five. Yeah, I liked it. I like it too. We may, we may make that a thing. Um, here's an article, and I want us to engage with five points in the, in the Crossway article. So we've got 30 seconds each. We've got 30 seconds each. <laughs> yeah, we're right. So one of the things for, if you're listening to this, the, the topic is five questions to ask yourself to really evaluate where you are in legalism, because we, we realize it's wrong. We realize we can't, we, we shouldn't be doing it. It is something that takes away from the gospel and creates division in the church. So let's evaluate and try to understand these things. So we've got five things here from this article. It's a really solid article. Um, number one, and I want to engage with each one. Do you place a higher value on church customs than on biblical principles? Do I know, but I deal with those people all the time. Sure. And so people, what they do is they confuse the significance of the method versus the significance of the method. Right. Right. They hold the method in higher regard than the message itself. The message never changes. Christ and Christ crucified, resurrected, but the method has changed for thousands of years. Right. The churches are always had to go through the hard work of adapting to culture, not allowing the culture to move us, but we move for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of evangelism, for the work of Christ. We go into the the, the world uh, and, and speak the language of the people. Uh, you know, it's, it's people that are stuck on KJV, you know, the King James Version 1611. Yeah. Okay. So they say that we need to have the language that was used in 1611, the English that nobody speaks anymore. They say this is how we are now supposed to continue to talk about the gospel in the language of 500 years ago. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, it, I mean, it, in the uh, instruments in worship. I mean, this is your wheelhouse when yeah. it comes to music. Uh, people say that, you know, it should just be piano, just be organ, like keep the guitar out and all that kind of stuff. Well, David played a harp before the Lord. That was a string instrument. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just so many different things where people confuse what's really important. And quite honestly, the method is not, but the message is. Yep. And so basically it comes down to church cult, church customs are not equal to God's law. Not at all. Preference and, and everything. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We need to constantly evaluate that and to, to see in our churches, in our own personal lives, um, and the things that we have done in the past, am I holding those in too high of a regard to the point that I'm adding it on to what God says? So number two. Do you want me to read this one to you? Because I feel like I I just I took number one and ran No, it was it. nice. I liked hearing your voice. It was great. I mean, I like hearing my voice, All right, too. You, you do number two. I mean, we, we touched on this, so I'll give you an opportunity to basically nail it in. Yeah. So number two says, uh, do you evaluate, excuse me, do you elevate to the status of moral law, something the Bible does not require. And this is basically what we've been talking about. Right. So it's taking things that you prefer and elevating them to God's law. Here's what, mm. here's what, man. So a few years, not a few years back, 2003, I had this idea. Like I just felt like I wanted to get a tattoo. Right. And so I actually was like really wrestling with it. And the tattoo I wanted to get was just like the Hebrew Old Testament word for worshiper. Like it meant a lot to me. I, I wanted to do that. Um, and so I actually called my dad. Uh, he is the kind of the fount of wisdom that I go to. And and I was just a few years into my uh, ministry. I, I was I was leading. I was worshiping worship pastor at um, a small church. Knowing that I wasn't always going to work there, I called him and I said, you know, I want to get a tattoo. I actually want to have a visible tattoo that says worshiper. Now, to me, I am resolved in my spirit that this is okay. Yeah. But I understand that if I were to go to another church somewhere, this may be an issue. Sure. And so what do you, and, and he gave me an amazing uh, response, which was, if that would be an issue for that church, you don't want to go to that church. And I went, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So I went, I got like this, I don't know, this little baby weenie tattoo. Wish I had said that differently. This tiny little tattoo. On the small of your back. Uh, right. I got it on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> little baby weenie tattoo. Uh, no, it's a Hebrew word. 
And one of my first weeks that I was here at Faith, I had a uh, someone who is a brother, a brother, uh, come up to me and said, "Do you know what the Bible says about tattoos?" Thinking he had me, and I said, "I do." I said, "It is Leviticus nineteen twenty eight because I knew this. I knew somebody was going to ask this question." I said, yeah, Leviticus 19.28, it says uh, to not make gashes on your body or to put tattoo marks on yourselves. And he went, yep. All right. How do you explain that? And I went, have you read Leviticus 19.27, which talks about how you should not trim the edges of your beard or cut your hair? And this brother was uh, had very short hair and zero beard. And he just looked at me and I said, so uh, when was the last time you got a haircut? And he just looked at me. And just went, very good. Just checking to make sure you knew. I'm like, get out of here, man. Oh, man, that was a good pivot right it was, there. It was, man, it was, it was, it was excellent. <laughs> but it's just, it's just this idea of I have, I have taken this thing, like I don't understand moral law. I don't understand the difference between ceremonial and civil sure. laws that are in the Old Testament. And so I'm just going to say this is what I think and this is what God thinks. And then when you immediately you know, challenge them and go, yeah, but, but God also says this. Okay, very good. And you know what you're talking about. See you later. Uh, that might have been the last time we've talked. Um, but Romans 14, it talks about issues of disputable matters. That mm. There are things where some people will say this day is special. Others will see every day is the same. Some people will see this food is sacred. Others will see everything is the same. And the Bible sure. says, let him be resolved. Let sure. him know what, what you're going to, you know, do your own thing. Uh and don't don't dispute it. And so we still see this disputable matters: food, dress, homeschooling. You know, movies, what Bible teaches, movies, everything. Um, and and ultimately, what we're doing is we're just trading freedom for another prison. I mean, quite honestly, you have signed a covenant that you did not uh, plan to keep in one of you know when you sent one of your kids to school, right? Like the covenant for the family says, don't do all of these things, and you signed it so your kid could go to school there, right? Well, no, no. No, the kid had to sign it. Uh, or I think yeah. I had to sign it on behalf of him. And it was like, no, we'll not watch R-rated movies. I won't. What was funny was, sidebar, I had to, uh, they, they were talking when I was doing the interview with the principal. And, he, and, he, and I said, okay, now I have a question here. Because on this thing, it talked about you should not listen to any music that is not, you know, Christian and, or, you know, holy and whatever. And I said, well, um, what about like worship music and and he said well i know you're from faith and uh, you all have different standards than we do and i was like brother i am the different standard i was like yeah all right and he's like that no liberal chris tomlin that, fella <laughs> it was like you guys sing songs from the 1900s actually so two things just to follow up on that and then you can ask me number three yeah. so uh number one i would say from from a, a pastoral standpoint let me be a little legalistic no one, no man should get a barbed wire tattoo around their bicep unless they actually have a bicep. All right. So yeah. that's like you, you have to be jacked right. to get a barbed wire tattoo. That's just, you you know, otherwise it right. is an absolute abomination before the Lord. Exactly. Um, and I forgot what number two was. So. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Number three, do you tend to look down your spiritual nose at those who don't follow God's will for your life? For your life. For your life. Right. So God has called me. To abstain from alcohol, and so you must now abstain from alcohol. God right. has called me to, um, I don't know, to do any kind of thing. So um, there was a, uh, when I preached on legalism, there was a brother who sent me an email right afterwards and said that his wife, who often sings in our church, um, and, and, and always brings in like a new, you know, new song basically said, um, Hey, we asked a, a pastor of a, a neighboring church within the last couple of years. Hey, can, can we come and sing there? And his answer was sure. Absolutely. You can come and sing here. We'd love to you to come sing here. As long as the song is found within the Baptist hymnal, like outside <laughs> of the Baptist hymnal, it's as if this, this is our canon of music basically. Right. And as soon as that Baptist his, his hymnal was published no more music is honoring of god at all oh. and i just responded i was like dude we're so thankful for your wife when she teaches us new songs like that's, yeah that's awesome um and, and and here's the deal man if somebody if you, if you only want to to love the hymnal love the hymnal sing nothing but hymns that's awesome yeah but don't look down at your nose at me if i'm singing you know mr liberal chris tomlin and all of his right. devil worshiping music <laughs> 
Well, and so here's the thing I think it's interesting with this point is that we get this idea of if I'm legalistic, then I'm going to tell you what to do. But what I like about right. this point is it says, do you look down your nose almost like it's an internal thing? For sure. And they even, do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. E- even if I don't feel the same, like if you and I disagree, I'm not going to say any, I may not say anything to you, but I'm going to feel certain ways right. about you. And even that is divisive because pressure. I mean, I used that. I showed you that clip of that pastor who basically he played great balls of fire, basically on the piano. And he changed the lyrics to Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And he said, you're going to tell me that's all just about the words. It's only the words that matter. And it's not the music that matches up with the words. That music doesn't match up with the words. I'm thinking, yeah, in your opinion. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and and so he, he went on to say, that's a bunch of trash. You're crazy. You're, I mean, you're crazy. You're, You're a moron. You're an idiot. If you think that matches like, okay, then call me a moron, call me an idiot. Yeah. Thank you for murdering me in your heart. But even if you keep it inside, yeah. like even if you don't go say something, sure. then you're still hurting the body. Yeah. Because you're 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 then looking at other people, you're creating division, and more than likely what's gonna happen is you can't keep that in and you're gonna start gossiping to other people about it. Right. And, and, and from a spiritual sense of we need to pray for this person because here are all the sins I think they're doing. Yeah. It's gross. So number four, I'm coming back at you. Are you comfortable that the Bible does not explicitly address every single ethical decision or answer every theological question? I actually like this one. Like, I mean, I think this is an important thing to address because we send, we, we tend to think, um, well, if the Bible doesn't address it, then I'm in the clear. But then Scripture on the, and verse. Yeah. And then on the flip side, it's like if the Bible, yeah. So the whole thing is, is there is going to be. I hate to use the word wiggle room, but also gray area. Mm-hmm. There's going to be things that you go, okay, between me and God, what does this mean for my life? And you look back at, you know, one of the first 10 commandments was remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number four, God doesn't really identify what keeping the Sabbath holy means. And so it's, it's you determine how am I, it's, it's, it's working in relationship with God to say, what does this mean for me? What does it mean to be holy? I know there are some people who say that in order to keep things holy, I'm not going to do any kind of commerce on that day. I'm not going to visit any store because, and what that means is I'm, I'm the reason that these people have to be at work and that's wrong. So I'm, that's fine. If that's what, yeah. If, if you want to do that, then fine, you can do that. Um, but what happened we saw in scripture is that when God says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, a bunch of religious leaders started saying, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And God doesn't necessarily lay out every little thing that that means. And so they did. And so they started adding all of these things. Like you can't even move a chair because if you move a chair, that's creating friction, which is work. So the whole idea of Sabbath being a day of rest becomes actually more of a burden because then you have to worry about all of these things that God didn't lay out that man has decided this is what it looks like. Interestingly enough, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm going to give you some homework and all of our, you know, our two I'm listeners. I'm not going to do it. No, honestly, this is fascinating. Okay. Just Google later on uh, why Manhattan, why the, the, the island of Manhattan has a wire, uh, completely a, a wire that completely surrounds the island of Manhattan. Just a singular, unbroken wire that's up on the poles that goes all the way. Just look it up, and you'll be absolutely astounded at the legalism of our Jewish brothers and sisters. Is that to say you can only go so far? Uh, it is It is all sabbatical. It is all has to do with Shabbat, uh, and it's astounding. All right. I'm very interested. Like Normally, I'm like, whatever, but I see Josie over here like... He's not smiling. Profusely. Yeah, he smiles like twice a year. And this is one <laughs> of those times. And uh, and so he's like, yeah, this is really interesting. Absolutely. All right, number five. Number five. Are you more comfortable? Last one. Are you more comfortable with rules than with relationships? This is how I, I think this ultimately cuts down to sure. what legalism is about. It is. It's missing out on the relationship. So uh, I did a quick family story here real quick of, of an aunt. She's passed on now. So I, I, I guess it's not gossip, but. Um, she, at one point in time when I was a teenager and I was deep into youth sports, um, you know, constantly playing baseball and, but my, we had a family rule, um, that we just, I wouldn't play on Sunday mornings. Like I I would never like miss church to go play. And so I missed a lot of baseball in that way. I would show up for like the second game of a doubleheader on Sundays and stuff. But anyway, I have an aunt who basically called and, and just, you know, was very, 
um, affirm, it was very non-affirming with my father and basically said that youth sports are of the devil. Youth sports are tearing church apart, all this kind of stuff. And, and I mean, as a pastor looking in hindsight, youth sports are doing a lot of damage to the church. Sure. I mean, it's, they're being raised into a, a level, but her phone call was one of legalism to say, get out of youth sports, have nothing to do with youth sports because it, it is, is of the devil <laughs> and, and, and hurt some relationships in that way when, when she went through all of that thing. And basically she was, the story is she was uh, called by her pastor and like the challenge of the message was to call all of your family and tell them how the devil has you know basically instituted and invented youth sports and tell all of them that you're basically on disconnect mode unless you you get all of your kids out of youth sports that's amazing yeah and so obviously some people are more comfortable with rules because rules are hard and fast relationships Mm -hmm. are messy but ministry is in the messy and there's so much in the gray so much in the uh, just how God's will for your life and God's will for my life if God's called me to the bush of Africa, but he hasn't called you. How, how could I say God's called all of us to the bush of Africa? And so there's just in, I mean, every single mode of life, there's differences, your preferences, my preferences. I mean, I'm, we're looking at Joe over here. So uh, Joe, uh, we love him. He's an absolute brother. He's like one of those guys who just, he loves video game music, drives me nuts. He loves it. That's awesome. I think it's horrific, but God bless him. Like he loves the video game music. I would never tell him stop listening to that because it's stupid. He would never force me to listen to that. And we're brothers. We enjoy it. And yeah. he's also a flame and liberal. And, you know, I still love him. I'm, he's not. But anyway, we all have great preferences that that don't matter. But it's the beauty of the spectrum that God has created. Right. All of us different. I'm really glad Josiah doesn't have a microphone. Yeah. Uh, one of these days he's going to and he's going to nice. just tear us all up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the issue that comes down to with rules versus the relationships. And this is this is, I think, the big concern is that if the rules become more important. Mm. If you have come out of your prison, you have tasted freedom, and then you said, no, thank you, I prefer prison. Mm. Have you really had an encounter with God? Have you really, you're missing out on the relationship, and then we become responsible, as I said it before, for our own standing before God. Um, We, the idea is that we can't be saved through the things that we do. That doesn't mean we don't do good works, right? right? We, that, that, that's not, that doesn't help our salvation, but out of love and appreciation for what God has done for us, then we follow through with good works. But too often the legalists will say, this is what you have to do in order to walk this path, to be on God's good side, that this is what God has called us to do. And, and I just, to me, I go, there's, there's great beauty and joy in the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, now sure. that is, as you said, that's messy and we don't always know the correct answer. And that's why we sometimes, you know, we have to extend grace. We have to extend mercy. Everybody wants grace and mercy extended to them, but they don't want to be the conduits of it. And so that's the, that's the thing. And I, I want to ask one more question before we jump into our confession time. But one of the things in this article, and I guess this is kind of what we're doing here. One a statement that the writer made said, Hold your conviction with passion and zeal, but do not seek to enslave the consciences of others who may disagree with you. Yeah. And I get that, right? Like I get like, okay, if you feel this way, you don't have to go. Don't go and tell other people this is how you, how you were to live. But do we have a responsibility as Christians, as Christian leaders, or just Christian lay people to go, I don't, I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want you to feel like in order to please God, in order to live out your faith, you have to adhere to these extremely strict rules. You're missing out on freedom. Do we have a responsibility to call people out of that? Or do we just say, listen, God has directed you in this way. I'm not going to get in the way of it. Like where does, where does that line fall for you? And that's, that's, that's what's hard. Legalism removes the gray and makes everything black and white. Yeah. And it just says, here is the, here's, here's the line. You've got to be on this side of the line to be good and this side of the line to be bad. And the gray's in the middle. Uh, you know, let's, we're talking about alcohol. Let's talk about smoking. Sure. Like smoking is, everybody knows it's not good for your health. You know, 50 years ago, people were, doctors were smoking at the bedside and you know, it's just, it's a different world. Um, 
And so if I had a friend who was, you know, deep into, you know, smoking and, and couldn't give it up or didn't want to give it up, like I would, you know, like, dude, like how, how long are you going to continue to tarnish your body and all that kind of stuff? But at the same time, I wouldn't uh, on the flip say God does not love you. Sure. Or God is mad at you because you're treating your body as not, you know, as a, a substandard temple yeah. of whatever it may be. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people who would just rather say, you know, you got to give up smoking if you're following Jesus and just make it black. Sure. But in the mid, in the middle, we deal with each other in grace because quite honestly, if even if we call smoking a sin because it desecrates the body, whatever, that's his sin. Uh, you know, I've got plenty of my own, right? And so we're all dealing in grace to each other, forgiving one another back and forth um, and just trying to figure it out the best way that we can. Now, if a voice from the Lord comes and says, give up smoking, then I'm going to hold you accountable. If, you know, you felt that the Holy Spirit has called you, like we've got a brother sure. who God has convicted me to give up. And it's, all right, great. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to, you know, when I smell it on your breath, when I smell it in your hands, I'm going to ask you and I'm going to hold you accountable. Right. But if you have not been convicted of the Holy Spirit, who is the convictor of sin, I'm not going to convict you of something that is not scriptural, basically. But I guess my question is, do we... For the legalist who is relying on rules, who is not living in freedom, mm-hmm. do we have a responsibility to to address that with them and to say, listen, these rules that you have set up, like, don't live that. That's not how God wants you to live. I don't know that we have the responsibility to go out of our way and to say, hey, you're treating that person without grace and without the freedom of Christ. But if they try to bring it on our own self. Right. It's, I, I feel like, I, again, so we, we are a grace-filled church, and we deal in the gray. We deal in the mess of ministry. Uh, certainly, we do not feel the responsibility to walk across the street. Not that the church across the street is right. church, but there's enough in our neighborhood. So we, we don't feel the, the need to go to that church that is in our mind, that church, and say, hey, you guys are outside of... Uh, you guys are outside of the will of God and what you teach. I, I, yeah. No, I don't think that's a responsibility of ours. Yeah, no, I just mean like our own individual people we know around us. If we, yeah, yeah, if you're in a relationship, somebody, yeah, yeah, sure. Like the guy who came with the tattoo, but um, mm-hmm. no, I'm kidding. So, all right, we're gonna start wrapping this up, and, and it's, it is it is time for us to confess yeah. where we have done this. And I'll I'll go first. I actually shared this one in staff a couple a couple years ago. There was my son Jack. Uh, he's getting ready to go into eighth grade, but his first year in youth week, the rising sixth graders. This is about two years ago he was able to participate in youth week. It was like, it's kind of like the VBS week camp week that we do here for our teenagers. And it was his first one. It was, it was, you know, I was anxious for him. You know, I want to make sure he got plugged in. He was one of the only kids his age that were, that were going and he was going, you know, pretty, pretty steadily. And so the, one of the last nights I showed up early, which I almost never do. And I'm standing in the back and I'm looking for my son to see, okay, is he engaging? You know, all the all the teenagers are down by the stage and they're worshiping or whatever. And I'm like, well, where's Jack? And I look down and like right dead center, the I see him standing right in front of the worship leader. He's singing, he's participating. It's this kind of great moment. He's jumping around and, and really engaging with the youth. And he had a hat on in the worship center. And what's funny is I don't consider myself legalistic. I don't consider I consider myself pretty progressive in terms of you know church culture. And like, I'm sitting in the back row and that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me not because I felt like, oh man, son, this is, this is wrong. You shouldn't be wearing a hat because God said so. None of that. It was, son, you shouldn't be wearing this hat because there are other people who might see you and think that I'm a bad parent because I haven't taught you not to wear a hat in the worship center. <laughs> and, and like in that moment I went, oh man, the terrorists have won because like my son is in the midst of this spiritual moment, he's worshiping, he's making faith his own, and I'm in the back judging him going, son, take off your hat, take off, like I'm willing it, like in Lethal Weapon, just like, take off your hat, take off your hat, take off your hat, you know, hoping that he would just go, oh, Lord wants me to take off my hat, and I just, you know, I had to really confess at that moment, and go, man, I'm the legalist here, because I'm saying, here is a rule, And, and, and what happened was, I became more into the rules than the relationship because of what other people are going to think. Sure. And, you know, and so that I had to confess that. And when I confessed that there were people that are like, well, he should take off his hat. And it's like, no, that's you're, that's, you're missing the point, which is here is this student who is engaging sure. with the Lord and we are judging him because he's wearing a hat, which scripture is fairly silent on that. So anyway, but he still should have taken off his hat. He still should have taken off his hat. <laughs> 
Not and again, not because I just didn't want I just didn't want the headache of having to deal with people thinking I'm a bad parent. I, I do enough to make people feel that way. So uh, this borders on legalism. It's not a perfectly legalistic confession, but it's still it's just one of those. I'm embarrassed about it to even mention it in public, and of course you're going to put it on the interwebs. So. Um, uh, this is a story of a, of a younger Timmy in ministry who would never have this conversation or have this thought process now, but in the, in the time it felt right because I was basically walking in, in what I had seen before by other people. So when I was the youth pastor, um, in previous ministry, there was, uh, well, let's say this, when we were, uh, when we were youth, um, there was a, a, a girl in our youth ministry who became pregnant and she was then required to go before the church and mm. make a public confession before the church. Uh, then I become a youth pastor and there's a girl in the youth group who becomes pregnant. And my first reaction and my conversation with her was not to go before the church, but to stand up in front of the youth group and confess a sin. And it, I, it was met with, why, what are you talking? Why would I, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and I, I walked away from that conversation. I had backed off of it. Um, and we agreed not to because we had a good grace filled conversation, but I still feel bad, still mm. feel extremely bad about putting her and her mother in that position and being just, I was being very legalistic about it. Just being very, I, I held culture over a relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, um, I don't know what I wanted, but basically I was doing what I had seen and doing what I did and, and not evaluating what I had seen, yeah. which I, I did. I would never require somebody to do that again. Um, but yeah, that's confession of mine that it was, that was still a moment that I looked down on and go, man, what, what was I thinking? So. Well, and that's the problem with legalism is, is it mentioned it. The younger generation is going to watch and go, how do we handle these situations? Yeah. And then you get into them and you realize this was really harmful. And by the way, we don't make other people stand up and confess their sin on Sundays, yep. you know? And, uh, and if we did, I mean, our church doors would be closed. I think our yep. church would be stronger because there'd be a lot more accountability, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty you're pretty yeah. horrible. Can you imagine every, I, this is, I, I don't know if this takes our podcast in an explicit way, but can you imagine making every single man who walked into the, walked into the church, stand up, confess if, how many times have I engaged in pornography over the mm. last X number of time, whatever it is. Or just had an unpure thought. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it, it's very easy to draw that line and go, well, I haven't looked at porn. Well, but you know, what have you done in your head? Have you lusted after someone in your heart? Have you right. committed adultery? Have in you your been heart? angry? Right. You know, sure. have you mistreated your, your spouse, you know, yeah. and uh, you don't have to worry about being explicit. There's literally no one listening at this point in the exactly. podcast. Yeah. All right. So uh, now that you brought it down and made us all feel bad about ourselves, let's, uh, let's elevate at the very end and let's try to see if we can't make some, bring some good out of this. Um, are there people, places, organizations that you can look at say, here is someone who does it really well. I'm going to let you go. Do you have anything? No. All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you don't have anything (laughs) because what I'm going to say is going to beat all, but it is, uh, it's actually pretty gross that I, uh, I'm going to use this. Um, I I probably shouldn't. This is cheating in a big, big way. Liberty university. No, no. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look at somebody who I think does the anti-legalism thing really, really well. Cause JFJ is pretty anti-legalism. Yeah. Here it is, guys. (laughs) If you want to find somebody who is really good at not being legalistic, his name is Jesus. I brought out Jesus. Now, I wish I hadn't done that yet. You went there. I went there because this is the third episode, and I don't think we can pull uh, this trick again. But here's where we want to encourage you. So much of what you see in church... Very often, it's a bunch of humans trying to figure out the way to do things. We are flawed. We are going to do it the wrong way. What I get so encouraged about is the times in Scripture where Jesus genuinely seems very annoyed with people. It's when he says, there is a gospel, and you are standing in the way of it because you have added all of this stuff. And what Jesus is saying is, I have brought you out of your prison, out of your cage. I've brought you into freedom live in freedom. And that's something that I think as Christians, we miss a lot. Um, It's uncomfortable. It is less controlled. It's messy. And Jesus is like, it's okay. I'm in the mess. Go be free. Who the son is set free is free indeed. And, and we should make that into a song. It should. And uh, so I just, I want to encourage you, if you have gone into a church and you have seen the hypocrisy, you've seen it in our church, we've pointed it out. 
um, institutionally and as individuals, be encouraged that there is a guy, and he's the only one that really matters, who says, I want you to live in freedom. And that is something that is so good, and we want to encourage you with that today. Guys, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and staying with us. If you've made it this far uh, in the episode, we would love to continue the conversation with you. Follow us on Facebook. You can join our group. Follow us on Twitter at GCPPod, or you can email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and continue this conversation. If there's something you would like us to tackle or to address, reach out. We would love to that suggestion. So thanks again for listening. Check in next week as we talk about compassion and individualism, how we are going to live well with others. And until then, be Be good. good. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was recorded on august 13th by jeff higgins and tim byer two pastors living in beautiful glen burnie maryland if you'd like to find more of our content please visit us online at goodchristianpod.com or follow us at at gcppod at joe over here so uh joe uh, we love him he's an absolute brother he's like one of those guys who just he loves video game music drives me nuts he loves it that's awesome i think it's horrific he loves video game music he loves video game music he loves video game music blue 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 blue